Hello and welcome to Dr. Jones's Veterinary Secrets Podcast. This is episode 110. In today's episode, heartworming dogs. Do you need to use the heartworm preventives? And can you stop it naturally? When to spay or neuter your dog? New research, it's suggesting that you should be waiting to decrease the chances of joint disease and cancer. What is a poultice and how you can use it to relieve inflammation? Dr. Jones's Veterinary Secrets is on all your favorite podcast apps, including Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. I'd love it if you'd subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. Questions or suggestions, feel free to post a comment about this podcast episode on the blog at www.theinternetpetvet.com. I encourage you to get a copy of my new free book, Natural Health for Dogs and Cats, in which I share the most important remedies to keep your pet healthy and naturally treat disease. You can get your copy by going to www.veterinarysecrets.com. Heartworm, is medication needed? Well, heartworm disease in dogs, it's potentially a very serious disease. Sounds very ominous. You know, what can be worse than a parasitic disease of the heart? The American Heartworm Society has produced an infographic showing what percent of dogs leave the clinic without a heartworm preventive. The number they come up with is 64% of dogs leave the veterinary clinic without a heartworm preventive. The idea being that more dogs need to be on them, but do they? One of the more common questions I was asked by pet owners was whether or not their dog really needed to be on a conventional preventive medication. More often than not, most clients were told only one thing, to give their dog a monthly heartworm preventive. Heartworm diroflare imitis, it's a parasitic worm which infects mostly dogs. Although all internal parasites can be harmful to your pet, heartworm infestations are very serious and they can cause death. The worm mainly affects the lung arteries and the clinical signs are associated with damage to the lungs and then the heart. It's spread by mosquitoes, but not all mosquitoes can carry heartworm. When an infected mosquito bites your dog, it can then transfer the larvae to your animal's tissues. The worms require development in the mosquito at a temperature above 27 degrees Celsius, that's 80 degrees Fahrenheit, and below 14 degrees Celsius or 57 degrees Fahrenheit, development cannot occur and the cycle will be halted. If the temperature is warm enough and the heartworm larvae progress to being infective, then they can infect another dog. These larvae then migrate through the body until they reach your dog's heart and lungs. There the adult worms will grow. They can grow to 70 to 110 centimeters long and obviously cause a great deal of damage to the heart and lung. Dogs show no sign of infection with heartworm during the first six months. The first signs include a cough, especially after exercise. As the disease advances, signs can include fainting, pronounced coughing, syncope, that's where they sort of pass out, crackles in the lungs, general weakness, and heart failure. In serious cases of heartworm disease, it can lead to sudden death. Most holistic veterinarians, certainly not all, consider the use of pharmaceutical preventives to be less harmful than a heartworm infection. But what you need to be aware of is the instance of heartworm in your area and whether or not your dog really is at risk of heartworm disease. For example, here in Canada where I live, heartworm is difficult to acquire, it's usually not fatal, far less than the dire warnings and marketing claims of the heartworm preventive companies. For heartworm to be transmitted to your dog, you need the correct temperature for a long enough period of time, the right climate, and the correct species and sex mosquito. What about medication side effects? You know, most of the conventional heartworm preventives are relatively safe, but there are now concerns about heartworm resistance. You know, we've used these same medications for such a long period of time that now the little parasites, the microflaria, they're no longer susceptible. You know, this has then led to these newer generation heartworm meds, such as ProHeart, but it can have its own issues and serious side effects. 
Consider this, here are some of the side effects of ProHeart. Severe allergic reactions, anaphylaxis, facial swelling, itchy, difficulty breathing, collapse, lethargy, not eating or losing interest in food, seizures, vomiting or diarrhea, weight loss, pale gums, increased thirst or urination, bleeding, bruising, and rare instances, death. This product was initially voluntarily withdrawn from the market in 2004. It's since been reintroduced. So what can you do for holistic heartworm prevention? Well, holistic heartworm prevention includes many common sense natural health suggestions to keep your dog's immune system healthy along with preventing mosquito bites. First, avoid unnecessary vaccines. The last thing you wanna do is bombard the immune system. Yes, you wanna prevent infectious disease in your dog, but do not be giving multiple vaccines every year. That's unnecessary, it can harm your dog's immune system. Second, avoid repeated uses of conventional medications, such as steroids, which suppress the immune system. Conventional antibiotics that your dog has to deal with. Provide excellent nutrition by feeding quality natural brands of dog food, home diets, and raw food. Ensure that the diet contains certain nutraceuticals that help prime the immune response, including essential fatty acids, probiotics, colostrum. Practice excellent mosquito control, for this is the insect that spreads heartworm. I've had some really good success using a natural mosquito repellent using cedarwood oil. Another option, there's been some recent studies showing how beneficial catnip is. So there's an essential oil in catnip called nepetalactone. It is a wonderful mosquito repellent. I have a specific video on how to make your own natural flea repellent. It's on YouTube and I'll link to that in the show notes. Regular testing. Yeah, this is expensive. It's important if you're in an area where heartworm really exists, especially if you're not giving the preventive medication. Consider using some of the natural alternatives when possible. This can mean using no-sodes and herbal supplements while also having your dog tested for heartworm. This is obviously much better under the guidance of a holistic veterinarian. My thoughts on the conventional use of monthly heartworm preventives are this. If you live in a high-risk area, yes, use the conventional preventives, you know, you live in the southern U.S., but it's for as short a duration as possible. I, when the conditions really exist to transmit the disease, use the lowest effective dose of the preventives. Then you can also follow up with alternatives such as liver supported products, such as milk thistle and vitamin E. If you live in an area with little to no risk of heartworm, consider no use of conventional medication. Ultimately, and like, should you have your dog on the heartworm preventive or not? Well, talk to your veterinarian, get an idea as to the stats in your area, and then sort of balance the risk versus the reward. And, you know, very much so. You know, where I live, the risk is so minimal. There's no way I'm going to have my dog on heartworm preventives, although many people do. Um, if I were to live in the southern U.S. where it's endemic and it's sort of, if your dog isn't on it, he has a really high chance of getting it, well, then I would be on it. And then, and that's what you need to do. So you need to know the stats and know your area, talk to your veterinarian, and ID potentially visit a holistic practitioner in your area because they're gonna be best informed and they'll sort of give you the real clear guidelines. Yes, you should be on it or no, you shouldn't. So when should you be spaying or neutering your dog? It's been standard practice in the US and much of Europe to neuter dogs by six months of age. But then there's this fairly recent study which published by four different professors at UC Davis in California. And they're suggesting it should be much, much later. I'm gonna read you one section of the study. Neutering, including spaying of male and female dogs in the first year after birth has become routine in the US and much of Europe. 
but new research is suggesting that for some dogs, neutering may be associated with increased risk of debilitating joint disorders and some cancers, complicating pet owners' decisions of when to neuter. The joint disorders, they include hip dysplasia, elbow dysplasia, and ACL tear, cranial cruciate ligament rupture. The cancers include lymphoma, mast cell tumor, hemangiosarcoma, and osteosarcoma. In previous studies on the Golden Retriever, Lab Retriever, and German Shepherd, a neutering before a year of age was associated with increased risk of one or more joint disorders, two to four times that of intact dogs. The increase was particularly seen with dogs neutered by six months of age. In female Golden Retrievers, there was an increase in one or more of the cancers followed to about two to four times that of intact females with neutering at any age. Wow which is huge. Then they went on to further expand the study with 35 different breeds and at the same time also do the similar study with mixed breed dogs. The co-author of the study, Dr. Lynette Hart, she says that neutering policies should be reviewed. Neutering prior to adoption, it's a common requirement or policy of humane societies, animal shelters, and breeders. The authors are suggesting that this policy be reviewed and modified appropriately. Shelters, breeders, and humane societies should consider adopting a standard of neutering at over a year of age for dogs that will grow into larger sizes. Dr. Lynette Hart said the study is especially relevant for people and organizations raising service dogs. They need to take a serious look at this, Dr. Hart said. Joint disorders can shorten a dog's useful working life and impact its role as a family member. A previous study conducted by UC Davis researchers found health risks based on neuter age varied greatly amongst the breed of dog. They've then since gone on to publish a couple of different specific guidelines based on the breed of dog based on the size. First, I'll just give you a quick reference as to what they're suggesting for the mixed breed dogs. They're suggesting for dogs that are medium and small, that is 40 pounds and under, it's okay, you can neuter or spay them at six months with no likelihood increased of consequences. As the dogs get larger, so between from 40 pounds to 80 pounds, that's considered standard and large size dog, you should be waiting for a year of age before they're spayed or neutered. And then for the dogs, the mixed breed dogs that are larger than 80 pounds, you should be waiting to two years of age before they're spayed or neutered. Even more interesting, it's really all over the board when you start to look at some of the purebreds and it really varies based on the type of breed itself. So for instance, let's just look at the lab retriever. For a lab retriever, maybe they're gonna grow somewhere between 60 to 80 pounds. They're saying for them, for the most part, you should be waiting to a year of age before you're, you're gonna spay or neuter your lab retriever. But then when we look at say the golden retriever, perhaps a similar size of dog, is more marker. They're suggesting that for the male golden retrievers, minimum, you're gonna wait for those males to neuter them at a year of age. But they're saying with the female golden retrievers, there's such a marked increase in joint disease, increase in the risk of cancer. They're suggesting that you leave the female golden retrievers intact, which is huge. I, I never imagined that. I'm gonna post these specific dates uh, in the document on my blog, The Internet Pet Fat. So I'll put a link in the podcast notes so you can look at it. If you've got your dog as a bulldog, you know what age they're now suggesting that you spay or neuter them. It's really interesting information. I know in the past, veterinary wise, what I suggested, six months of age, spay or neuter. Lots of the animals in the shelter, we were spay or neutering them at eight to 12 weeks, but before they got adopted. But obviously things have changed. And you know, when I think about all the hundreds of dogs I saw that had ACL injuries, it sort of makes sense, right? We've done so many dogs are spayed and neutered early. And guess what? The bones close earlier in terms of things called growth plates. They close earlier. You don't have the same bone growth. You have different angulations, much more likely, you know, to get a ligament tear. 
So if I were to have a dog now of any size, I would definitely take all this into account and I would be delaying the age of which I would have him or her spayed or neutered. What is a poultice and how can you use it to relieve inflammation? A poultice is a paste made of herbs, plants, and other substances with healing properties. Paste is spread in a warm, moist cloth and can be applied to the body to relieve inflammation and promote healing. Sometimes it can be spread directly onto the skin. This popular home remedy has used, been used by people for centuries to treat inflammation, insect bites, and more. Not only are you getting the benefits of the poultice, like what's in it, but also just the warm poultice will increase blood flow to the area, which is often a really important part of healing. What can you use as a poultice for an abscess? An abscess, also called a boil, is a collection of pus that forms due to a bacterial infection. So common in our cats, they have a cat bite wound. A poultice has been a popular home remedy for treatment of abscesses for centuries. The moist heat from a poultice, it will help drought the infection and help the abscess shrink and drain naturally. Poultice for infection. A poultice can treat infection by killing bacteria and drawing out the infection. The use of poultices made of herbs, mud, or clay for infection has gone on for centuries. Poultices for cysts. A cyst is a sac filled with fluid or a mix of solid substances and fluid. So common in our dogs. Think of these sebaceous cysts. Applying a warm poultice to a cyst can speed up healing by helping it drain. Then there's poultices for arthritis. You know, one of the most common reasons their pets are on anti-inflammatories, it's for arthritis. But there are other options. A 2010 study on people with osteoarthritis found that applying a warm ginger compress to the kidney area improved pain and stiffness as well as overall well-being. Ginger and a number of other plants have been shown to have anti-arthritic, anti-rheumatic, and anti-inflammatory properties. Applying a poultice made of herbs for arthritis can be really beneficial and help relieve inflammation and pain. So how can you make a poultice with this common kitchen ingredient? You're using baking soda. A baking soda poultice, it requires nothing more than two or three tablespoons of baking soda mixed with just enough warm water to make a paste. So here are the ingredients. Two to three tablespoons of baking soda, enough hot water to form a thick paste, cheesecloth or cloth for covering. Then a waterproof covering to keep the poultice on. Here are the instructions. You're gonna make a thick paste with baking soda and water. You can apply it then directly to the wound or place it between two layers of cloth and apply the cloth to the wound. Leave on for 20 minutes to three hours as needed and repeat as necessary. You can wash it off after use as you don't want your dog or cat to be ingesting excessive amounts of baking soda, although a small amount is fine. And this is a great option if you're trying to treat a local area of inflammation great for insect bites, great for sudden redness, and often it is even helpful for these dogs that have sebaceous cysts. So thanks you guys, thanks for listening to this edition of the Veterinary Secrets Podcast. That was podcast 110110. I hope you found it helpful. I'd love for you to try some of those suggestions and I'd love to hear your feedback. Questions, concerns, or comments, feel free to post a comment on the blog at theinternetpetvet.com. And as well, some of those references I talked about, they'll be posted on the blog as well. Once again, thanks for listening. It's Dr. Jones.